Welcome to Double DM, the TTRPG talk show where we talk about how to be the best game master you can be. This week we talk about an old time topic of Double DM that veterans of the show will recognize. However, even for them there's a lot of new insight and ideas in this. We are talking about accommodating new players at your TTRPG tables. We are not just talking about that you should let new players play, but how to make sure new TTRPG fans will have a great time at your tables and come back or start their own groups. We talk expectation management, character creation, how to help them in game, what games to play and a whole lot more so you can help new people discover our lovely hobby. And hey, if it works out great, maybe you can be a player at their tables too. So sit back, relax, grab a drink and let's chat about making your TTRPGs better with this episode on how to accommodate new players at your tables. For more information, see the timestamps in the description. Hey, and welcome to Double DM episode... Now, yeah, fuck that, I gotta do that again. Welcome <laughs> <laughs> to episode, fuck that, I yeah. gotta do that again. <laughs> Hello, and welcome to Double DM episode 90. As per usual, with me is my lovely co-host, Emil. I can't talk for... Uh, can't talk today, it seems like. What is happening? Anyways, how is your day? <laughs> how are you doing? My day is going great. It's only 10 a.m., so... It can get worse, it can get better. I don't know what's gonna happen today. We are here to record an episode and a recap, which we are recording right now. I am also uh, scheduled to go to the cinema today at 2 p.m. And after that, I don't know, I have to edit. <laughs> what are you watching? I am watching the new Black Adam. Yeah, so that's my day. My week was weird. <laughs> could say okay okay so last Tell week me more. We, last week we had the door drama right yeah now we have the fridge for par <laughs> okay <laughs> okay i'm inclined tell me more so I woke up today at like 8 a.m. or something and went to the kitchen and got everything ready for breakfast. And then I realized that my fridge was open. But I specifically remember closing it the night before. Mm -hmm. So I was like, okay, what is happening? Either someone is breaking into my house, I have a ghost, or I'm just an idiot. Please let it be ghost. Please let it be ghost. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't ghost. Ah, I found out that damn. the door of my fridge is somewhat broken and mm -hmm. opens itself in some instances. Okay. So so it's like the door drama part two, electric boogaloo, the fridge faux pas. The fridge faux pas. I'm just going to call it the fridge faux pas. <laughs> yeah, so I, I don't think I need to get it fixed. I just need to make sure that I close it correctly and, and, and it's really closed. Mm. But you know this, when you have a fridge, I have this rubber lining that basically is supposed to seal it shut, right? Mm. And that is somewhat ripped apart. Oh, okay. So yeah. that sometimes just comes undone and then the fridge opens itself for like a few centimeters, which is completely unnoticeable if you don't specifically walk up to the fridge and see if you can open it 
without any force behind it. So now I just have to watch carefully to close it. Mm -hmm. That's good. That's good. Could have also been if, if the cooling unit would have been open. That would have been way worse because that yeah. thing racks up energy as heck. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But that, that seems to be fine. I am fine on that department. Perfect. And then, okay, my week started because, right, we are both students. Mm -hmm. And university started in Germany. Mm -hmm. So we're now in uh, university fever once again. Yay. I, uh, as the students of the two of us that is nearly finished with his bachelor's degree, have the luxury of now having to somewhat scrape together points so I can do my bachelor's. And I decided I will take a geology course, mm -hmm. looking at stones and stuff. And nice. It's more interesting than I thought. Hey, that's a good thing. <laughs> I'm going to look at stones and have to classify them now. And you have to get a magnifying glass now, right? Yeah, I already bought one. Yeah, my week has been terrible. Oh no, <laughs> what the fuck is happening? University, I have to get up fucking early every day. Like, if you conditioned yourself to go to bed like 3 a.m. and then sleep till 10. And suddenly, from one day to another, you have to wake up at 6 a.m. again. It feels like shit every morning. <laughs> Yeah, that, At least that's why you condition yourself before the last day. Yeah, yeah, I would have done that if I would have been able to con uh, completely uh, complete my schedule for the semester. Because my the codes for the courses that I have to enroll in were just able or were just released one day before the start of the semester. Ah, and that's the problem. So I was like, okay, yeah, maybe I'm in luck in the third semester. I have. No, not every course starts at 8 a.m. Yeah, joke's on me. Every course starts at 8 a.m. Mm. So, yeah, and it is completely complete and only physics, even though I'm studying chemistry. But, okay, TTRPGs. Yeah. Was there something for you this week? Yeah, there was an amazing session. Okay. On Thursday. It was a short one for me, but I mm -hmm. got to DM again in a okay. fairly long time, actually. And it was amazing. We had, we had a, such fun mm -hmm. because it, it only was two hours. Okay. But we played this group or haven't played this group for, I think, about a month or two mm -hmm. because we had the other sessions of one of the players that then DM'd in the uh, time between and wanted to finish this one arc and now we're back to my campaign and we got instantly back into character had awesome roleplay it was a lot of fun and yeah we ended on a cliffhanger mm -hmm. one of my players is a drow and we are currently in the underdark mm -hmm. they travel towards one of the underdark cities in my world but we're followed by something turns out they were followed by a drider and the draw player recognized that drider turns okay. out it was his mother Ooh. and then we ended the session and now they can't wait for next thursday where we're going to continue that but yeah i can't tell you much more about that because i know for a fact one of the players is listening every time these episodes release so mm -hmm. can't tell you too much okay but yeah, it well, was really fun okay cool 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 cool, cool. for you anything i've had too many uh i had the tyranny of dragons session and the phantoms of chaos session which do you want to hear about tell me about the tyranny of dragons first okay tyranny of dragons players uh, finally got the things they wanted and now went off to neverwinter because neverwinter was about to be attacked by dragons and cultists mm -hmm. my players set up defense at one of the gates of neverwinter and got to fight a blue dragon in combat while at the same time a huge cultist army was attacking the gates beneath them but the players were more, were more preoccupied with the dragon flying above their heads shooting laser beams at them i mean fair and because uh, me and another person decided to make them have a guest appearance in 
in this session. I made them appear very cool and they helped the party defeat the dragon and then went onwards into the city of Neverwinter to find out where the cultists are going. Because the cultists have a target in the city. They don't want to just destroy the city. They have a target. They want something. Mm -hmm. And they need to find out what. And now the next session is going to be them fighting a green dragon because uh, the session ended with them running across a bridge to the castle of Neverwinter. And then this huge shadow in the water of the river appearing beneath them, jumping onto the bridge and standing in their way is a green dragon. Oh boy. And there's also a red dragon flying across the city, raining down fire on everything. Cool, 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 cool. No doubt, and no doubt. there are also bombs that have gone off. Two, Obviously. in fact. Two gates. The northern gate and the south gate of Neverwinter have been completely obliterated into craters by bombs with draconic magic. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And if my players are smart enough, they should know that there is a third one. That's gonna go off as well. If they don't somewhere, sometime, mm -hmm. probably mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. not gonna say much about that. But yeah, that's that was my session. Um, it was combat heavy, very mm -hmm. combat heavy, because we had two combats, uh, the blue dragon and some cultists in the streets of the city. And next session is also gonna be combat heavy because we have this combat against the green dragon and probably against the um, general of this cultist army that wants to get what he wants. Okay. Um, so that's gonna be two very combat heavy sessions back to back. But there was also backstory reveals and a lot of meaningful roleplay, I think. Amazing. So this was really a heavy hitter of a session because one of my players who lost his memory through something has found out that parts of his family is in the city fighting against the dragons and he found out why they are in the city fighting against the dragons because his family is a dragon slayer family. Oh damn. Okay. And I'm going to be interested in what they are going to do about that after finding that out. Mm -hmm. Are they going to meet up with their family? Do they want to leave? I don't know. But we will see when we play Titan's Core, uh, not Titan's Core, but when we play <laughs> Tyranny of Dragons next time on the 1st of November. That's the date. All right. Can't wait to hear more about this. Yeah. I can't wait to play more. But Perfect. Yeah. you said you had another session? I had also Finals of Chaos. That is a few weeks back now. But it was this Masquerade Ball, right? I told, I told you about that a few yeah. a few weeks ago. The Masquerade Ball, uh, my players finally attended and had to find this Master Thief, who is, a, who is also an escape artist. Basically, he is very good at escaping. <laughs> mm -hmm. that's his whole fucking deal and he invited the players to this masquerade ball to play with them to have this cat and mouse game with them because he likes the thrill of it mm -hmm. my players were really frustrated in a fun way not not in the board this fucking sucks but more in a, our characters don't know what to do they knew they had to do something and they tried stuff but they didn't necessarily know if it paid off or not mm, but I at see. the end they found something they found a clue because a lot of people that they were looking at because they had some clues for what to look for for and what to and what to see um, and what to find, they found uh, that most of these people that they were looking at had earpieces. They were communicating with the master thief, mm -hmm. and one of one of the players got their hands on this one thing and then basically sent them sent the master thief a message saying, "Get the fuck over here! I will tear your limbs apart, and I uh, <laughs> I hate you." And <laughs> that kind of set off the, the chain reaction. Now, now the fun begins for the Master Thief because he calmly said to all other devices, run. And now there are like 20 to 30 different people making utter panic at this masquerade ball from all different different kinds of locations and people 
that it's gonna be very fun to see how my players find out if this um, find out who is this master thief and if they're gonna catch him. Amazing. They definitely when they have a good plan to catch him, they will catch him. But if they don't, he has ten different plans and they Amazing. are all kind of mapped out, which cool. is the most cool, fun cool, part cool. for me. So I really have the options available to me. And I'm going to use them. Perfect. One of my favorite parts is um, there are in the backyard, there are pillars where there are statues on top of them. And some of these pillars are empty. And he theoretically has a costume that looks like a statue. Oh, damn. And if I get to use that one plan, I am going to be a child on Christmas. That Perfect. would, have, that would oh be my. so fucking cool if my players failed the perception check to find him. Amazing. Yeah. Oh my <laughs> god. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the options. Yeah. The things that could happen. Yes. Yeah, so and that, that is just Amazing. one of the ten different options he has. Perfect. 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 So, with that, I think our recap is finished. And mm -hmm. we can jump into our episode 90 of Double DM. Only 10 to go till episode 100. And we will talk about new players at your tables, getting new players into the TTRPG hobby, and how to accommodate the naive new players. Hey, dear listener, we arrived at this episode's mid-roll. I don't want to keep you too long in this break from the usual program, but podcasting overlords demand that I ask you to rate and review our show to help us expand our reach and get new listeners. But also with more reviews and ratings comes the benefit of us getting a better feel for what you like and dislike about the show, allowing us to improve our show to the next level just for you guys. And hey, if you really like the show, then recommend us to your friends so we can share our content with them and help them with whatever dungeon master dilemma or player problems they are having right now. I know you hear this all of the time, but really doing so helps shows like ours and any other podcaster, especially indie podcasters, out immensely in creating the best content possible. So again, rate, review, tell a friend or whatever works for you. If you are feeling super generous today, you can check out our Ko-Fi and donate a few bucks towards upgrading the show with new microphones, editing software and studio surroundings. No pressure at all though, this is just if you feel like you want to help out. Lastly, I also want to tell you guys about our social media channels and that you can follow us on especially Twitter or Instagram to stay up to date with the show and get a whole slew of other content like memes, tips and general shit posts about TTRPGs and the TTRPG industry industry or community. Thank you guys so much for your constant support of our show and we hope we can continue creating amazing content for you guys well into the future. Oh, one last thing. If you have a TTRPG product you want to advertise on our show, contact us about affordable ad space on Double DM episodes and we also have promo swap spaces available for other podcasters and shows. And with that, I have an advertisement for you and after that it's right back to the show. Do you want a lightweight, easy to use and free application for your tabletop role-playing campaigns? Masterstream is the ultimate set of tools for running tabletop or online role-playing campaigns and managing intricate fictional worlds as well. This incredible browser application can run on any device and also works offline so you can edit your files basically everywhere. This awesome campaign manager allows you to level up your notes and organizations so you have to spend less time in your notes and more time in the action of your games. 
The focus on the simple yet beautiful design makes for great and intuitive use for every tabletop role-playing game and as time goes on there will be even more features to create a one-stop get-all for game masters wanting to level up their game. And remember, all of that is for the low price of free and requires no downloads. So go to masterscreen.app to start becoming the master behind the screen you were meant to be. You can find the link in the description. So, Emil, I wanted to talk to you about something we already <laughs> talked about in a previous episode. Yeah. Because um, in one of my campaigns where I'm a player in, a new player is going to join us soon. And I wanted mm -hmm. to talk to you about that again. Because mm -hmm. we've been doing this for a long time now. We have new experience, more experience. And I thought we both might have new interesting things to say to that. Yeah, I think as well. <laughs> <laughs> no, but right, we've grown a lot since episode two, which was released in February 2021. Yep. So. So yeah, we just wanted to uh, revamp this episode a bit. Ha and we also have some new things to talk about. It's not just, right, not just, hey, let's just remaster the audio because we are gonna re also going to remaster the content of it. So yeah. So yeah, not completely done yet, but in um, we just finished an arc of the campaign where the new player is going to join us yesterday. Okay. And now we are in the basically the open world and starting the main story off and having different character arcs and all of that beautiful stuff mm -hmm. and then a new player is gonna join us okay we i don't know anything about what character he's gonna play but we played in a one shot before mm -hmm. which was his first time playing dungeons and dragons okay so i think we are fairly good equipped to accommodate a new arrival into the ttrpg uh, space in our table mm -hmm. because we are very open and all of the good stuff we have two dms one of them would be me and i think with the experience i have i can give more or less good advice on what to look out for when creating characters or when playing in combat when you don't have any clue what mm -hmm. dungeons and dragons is and what your abilities do and stuff like that because i have experienced most of them at least once uh -huh. basically that's the story behind it <laughs> <Okay>. and <laughs> Interesting. I think, yeah and i think this is a good first thing to talk about i like having when i have a new player at my table at least one other veteran or mm -hmm. a more experienced player at the table so the whole information giving out or not the whole information load is solely based on you so you can yeah split it and get different opinions or different mm -hmm. views on the same topic which may, may lead to the same outcome but with, uh, through different means and then building the own experience for that player themselves yeah i think you touched on a few good topics there one the uh, having a veteran there to help but also having the different opinions which is also something that should be noted in ttrpgs i think that that is something that happens but let's talk about the having a veteran at the table for information because i don't know about you but it's very good uh, to have the last episode where, which was about the workload GMs do and how that work might be more but doesn't necessarily matter more than what players do it often falls to the GM to know everything mm -hmm. right and I can see where that is coming from because obviously they are the master of it they are supposed to make the decisions of it but the rules are there everyone can know the rules and yep. it's not just on the GM to be an encyclopedia on them and especially if you have a completely new group it often is this kind of stereotype of the GM that um, brings in a full table of new players and has to explain everything to them because they are the veteran and they need to handle everything and they need to know everything and that type of stuff. And no, it's again something that DM can get themselves a veteran player that is there to have some player side knowledge 
to give to the new players. Exactly. So the GM can still focus on the stuff that they need to do to deliver the good game that they want to deliver to these new players. Because if the game isn't good and this is their first experience, they might never play again. Exactly. And that is not necessarily a fault of the GM in this instance, because sure, maybe they didn't deliver a perfect game, but everyone can have bad games. But maybe they had just had too much to do. And that can be like, and that can also be something that I've heard from other people that didn't want to DM because they thought the DM does so much work. And yes, they do work, but a lot of that work is just because no one else at the table does it. Exactly. And someone has to take up the work. And it's just assumed that the DM does it. But if you're the player that can that loves to read rules and likes to remember them, then do that for the game. Mm -hmm. Because your DM might not. And I can tell you right now, as a DM that has like at least, I would say 80% rules knowledge of the games that I play whenever I play as a game master, mm -hmm. I enjoy having a player that has a 100% or a 99% knowledge of this the rules. This is amazing. Because is amazing, having yeah. someone you can look to or ask when there is a rules question to get the rules as written or rules as intended is such a big benefit for a game master because it, it takes time to actually read the rules. Yeah. Having someone that knows them and can quickly blurt out the information is godlike for a game master, in my opinion. Yeah. There, there's a difference between having someone that goes, well, this isn't according to the rules, meh, 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 to where the rules state that he can only move this many feet in this round, no matter what other thing, right? Pointing mm. out the rules is something different than arguing the rules. Yeah, I think there's still merit to arguing the rules because having that kind of consistency and fairness is also good. But there's a difference that in making sure that the table adheres to only what you want to just saying, well, if we would play it by the rules, let's do this and this. Yeah, right? and I think another benefit of that is especially when the rules are more of a guideline, but if they are not as clear-cutly written as some mm -hmm. other rules might be. If you have another veteran, you have two points of view on the same rule that you can then find a common ground on after the game yeah and then make it clearer for the new players because if you throw in a new player into a rule discussion more or less mm -hmm. on how to exactly interpret the wording of that rule because it's not completely clear it might over uh, it might be too overwhelming at first yeah yeah i would agree the thing is showing players that ttrpgs are collaborative games in exactly. their first session is highly important Mm -hmm. It's one of the most important things you need to do. You need to show them that this is a thing where not one person dictates everything, but everyone agrees to something, where everyone has their say at the table. And that's why I think having someone that would disagree with a game master in certain instances is not bad. Yeah, most definitely not. Because it invites a discussion, a healthy mm -hmm. discussion, hopefully, right? The thing is, good faith arguments... If the discussion is in a healthy manner of people having a disagreement and talking it out to find a common ground or to find a thing that works for the table, that's very good because that is part of TTRPGs. Exactly. Showing them that this is a collaborative thing and the game master isn't the end all be all is very important because if they go into the next session thinking that the game master is the end all be all, they might get discouraged from doing stuff they want to do because they think that the game master wouldn't want it to happen. And that's the death of good improv and roleplay. Mm -hmm. And regarding that improv and roleplay that you just mentioned, is if you have a veteran at the table, they can mm -hmm. initiate roleplay to make mm -hmm. it more um, gullible for the other newer players because they might feel a bit uncomfortable at first if they are not 
if they have to be the ones starting the roleplay. Yeah. And if you're coming into a roleplay scenario where you are, where it's not you starting it, but you just get into it and then go with the flow, that might come more natural and then build up the confidence that you mm -hmm. are a good role player and then proceed to some somewhere down the line, initiate them yourselves. Yeah, I think right, TTRPGs are, as we already talked about, just an inherently absurd construct. To grasp. Yeah. The abstraction of TTRPGs is so absurd and wild that it's very hard to grasp for people that have never played before or that do not understand the games we're playing, right? If, if you're in the games, if you're in the hobby and have played a few times, you get it very easily. It's very easy to play TTRPGs, I would say. Yeah, I, and I would totally agree. But the people standing outside, they see this high concept that is very intricate. It has dice, it has rules, and they need to know those. And I, I need to then talk to a game master and, and one person basically plays everyone except I play my character and some other people play their characters and how how does it work, right? It's hard to grasp. And that's yeah. why one of the funny things is that every time you see TTRPGs depicted in media, right? Some people kind of say that every depiction of TTRPGs in media is bad because it just doesn't really reflect how every type of game goes. And obviously it is because those people, while they might still play D&D, they have just as much a hard time explaining the game in a visual or audio format that it's just impossible to convey in a very quick way to an audience that might have never played. Exactly. Sure, you can say it's improv roleplay with dice attached to it, but what does that even mean? Exactly. And it, because of the weird yeah. concept, it's good, in my opinion, to have one that knows the concept and experienced the concept to then explain it through doing it yeah with the other group having someone that is basically a guide on the player mm -hmm. side not just a game master guide but exactly. one that is on the player side that can basically show the rookies how it's done is a good thing I, so yeah the first advice i think we also said that in episode two because that is something that i've always done is have someone at your table that knows the game or knows how to play ttrpgs at least a little bit mm -hmm. he doesn't he doesn't have to be a 10 year veteran of the game systems and stuff like that but someone that has played with you if you're here thinking about, I want to bring in my new friend group, but I don't know how yet. How do I do that? Well, maybe take someone from your old friend group that also played D&D &D and ask them to play with you to bring in new players. And especially if you yeah. have this new player, this older player playing with new player, tell them that they are just a game guide. They can still have fun. They can still play the character they want, but they should, in crucial moments, maybe take a step back and look at the other characters and say, how do we do this? What, what mm -hmm. do you want to do? Or you're the wizard. Do you have anything that you could do? Do you have a spell or something for that? And, exactly. and the wizard's player that has never played before can look at the spell list and, and ask the GM, well, does uh, I don't know, Dimension Door do something for this? And then they, you can figure that out. And But the wizard player might have never gotten to that idea if they hadn't got the gentle push from the veteran player that said, hey, do you have something that can help us? Exactly. And, and I would say it's um, a veteran, I would describe it or I would define it in this instance as in the Warhammer 40k sense. You survived one day on the battlefield, you are a veteran now basically you played some ttrpgs regarding this you are the veteran of this group because you have experience in the thing yeah and then you have you know how the game works you know roughly what to do and then can nudge other players into ideas that they can then come up with the, uh, with themselves for mm -hmm. themselves and develop them into their own thing and yeah. through that building the experience themselves yeah and i would say especially if you are not playing with that group anymore of that old dnd group because for example scheduling issues but you manage to get two sessions with another more experienced player on the team that works perfectly because the first two sessions are there to show the other new players how this game works and then they can figure the rest out with the gm alone yeah. because 
then you know the basics and then everything else comes by experience and by playing it yeah. naturally. Yeah. And and right with the basics, we don't just mean the rules, but those as well, right? Understanding, for example, D&D or Pathfinder action economies. Mm -hmm. Understanding what I can do on a turn. I can only cast one spell and the other needs to be a cantrip or whatever the rule is. Okay, so my spells, I have spell slots and I need to prepare spells every day when I wake up or something like that, right? That is mm -hmm. something that you just learn through doing it a few times. And But also the thing is, right, how do I even find a character? How do I understand, how do I play a character? Is That is something that many people just don't grasp in their first sessions especially mm -hmm. if they have no improv or theater or acting backgrounds mm -hmm. right if you have actors that that have done improv classes for years and years and years they obviously will grasp that you can just play the character you have want to play and play them with the voice with gestures with whatever else you want to do they get that because they have been trained to get that but some other people might have not for them it's kind of hard to grasp and having someone right again that can show them how to do it is great. Mm -hmm. But now the thing is, if you have a veteran, they might be, let's call them an overachiever. They are very mm -hmm. good at the role. That's not that's nothing bad. They might be a very good role player. That's a good thing. But they might overdo it. Yeah. That this is not to say that this that that, that is bad. They show they, they are supposed to showcase how it's played. But obviously, TTRPGs can be played in a lot of different intensities, you could say. And yeah. no intensity is the right one for everyone. But for your table, you need to find the one that works best for all players. And sometimes exactly. there are disparages between the players themselves and the GM. And that's okay as well. But obviously you shouldn't have, let's say, on a 1 to 10 scale, have all of the players at 1 and the GM at 10. Because that will feel like a disconnect in the table. And no exactly. one really wants that. But the thing is, if this overachiever role player veteran goes in with a voice, with um, different phrases, uses words that they wouldn't normally use as a normal person outside the game, uh, goes into gestures, maybe comes even in cosplay or whatever. That mm -hmm. can be just as intimidating for these new players as just the games. Exactly. Because um, I think it shows, um, or it, if you don't have any experience, it may feel like you need to do this to be good yeah. at the game and have fun. But uh, it's not true. It's just mm -hmm. not true. You don't have to do anything to have fun at the game. Mm -hmm. You just need to find the things you have to do to have mm -hmm. fun with your table. Mm -hmm. And yeah, a veteran can discourage that or show other ways you can achieve or other ways you can achieve fun at the table mm -hmm. because they might come in cosplay and then it depends all it's really depending on the table that you have yeah because if they show up in cosplay and everyone is completely in love with the idea and then the next session they all show up with robes and hats and flowy cosplays this is amazing mm -hmm. but it de entirely depends on the table and i think therefore especially with n very new people a session zero is needed to talk about that and there i love to have a veteran as well in there especially to help with character creation because character creation can be overwhelming depending on the system with all the choices you have to make especially on the uh, early levels where you have to basically define your mm -hmm. class character whatever you want to call it by mm -hmm. choosing different options and you don't have any fucking clue what these options do and then having one other person there that knows at least a bit about them mm -hmm. uh, those options is very amazing to have because yeah. then they can ask not just in a um Mechan game mechanical sense mm -hmm. what you want to do but recommend different 
mechanical things depending on the character they mm. uh, the newer players want to play mm. asking what is the character you want to play but don't use any class or um, class or race combination names words mm -hmm. whatever but tell me what type of character what type of character do you want to play and then yeah. we can work out which options to choose from when you want to create your character. I want to go back actually to the point where we talked about the cosplay, for example, because mm -hmm. I, I think I was very blessed you could say, with my school. Could have also just been the times because many people were bullied for playing Dungeons and Dragons or any TTRPG and being a nerd in school. Mm -hmm. I know I know a lot of people that have been, especially in earlier times like the 80s and 90s, people were bullied. I was very lucky that in my school, especially in my class, because we were, in my school, there was a program that basically allowed you to chose a scientific specialized class. So I was in the scientific specialized class. So basically everyone in my class was was in there because we were fucking good at science, math, physics, chemistry, and that type of stuff. Mm -hmm. And we were supposed to be, we had more science classes than other classes, right? Mm -hmm. In my class, I wouldn't call nearly anyone a nerd except for the people that I stayed with. <laughs> <laughs> the people I'm still friends with from that class, those were the nerds. We played yep. TTRPGs since I think eighth or ninth grade. We were the TTRPG players and we played. And we obviously also told other people in our classes about it. And no one in our classes was really that bullied that much. I think there was still some not so favorable interactions between people that I don't want to say, yeah, they just happened when they're, when you're teenagers, but they happened. But it wasn't that like someone was a real big outsider in the class. We were all kind of one big group. We all got along at least halfly with each other you could say mm -hmm. so yeah but the thing is that we told many people obviously at some point knew about because they were sitting next to us in classes we talked about or whatever or we just talked to them about what we did on our weekends and we said oh, we played ttrpgs uh, and then they obviously they had some ideas of it because of news coverage tv series entertainment that had some ttrpgs in them then the first question that i was asked i think a few times was do you also dress up when playing no we don't do you also sit around a candlelit table at night yeah we do that. <laughs> that 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 was what we did so that is still a much more intensity nowadays when i gm we mostly sit in a very lit room around a white table on just the couch snacks on the table but basically just very laid back like a meetup like you would do at a movie night yeah just that the movie night is happening in our heads at the table right now instead of the, on the tv next to us hmm. but also yes i sometimes play at tables where we sit in a dark room that basically looks like a library with candles instead of normal lighting yeah which can also be very fun oh yeah but that's definitely more intensity in the ttrpg immersion which isn't bad but what i want to get at is media sometimes makes ttrpgs more than they are mm -hmm. that is not necessarily that bad but it can give a false image of what most ttrpg groups are because i think most yeah. ttrpg groups are just a bunch of people in their pajamas or sweatpants or just normal clothing sitting around a table laughing at dice yeah exactly but that is very boring to to depict in media mm. you don't have to have any big sets or anything to have fun yeah just a plain old table and some plastic pieces with numbers on them and you scream at them for coming on up on the wrong number amazing and even then you don't need the fucking plastic pieces or the table for that matter yeah or the room for that matter you can also play online yeah right ttrpgs can be enjoyed in a very many different ways and when you're getting new people into ttrpgs i would probably talk to them 
them about how they want to experience them as well. I think that's a good advice. Mm -hmm. Talk these people how they want to experience them. Because tell them that the expectation that media sets sometimes by, I don't know, community, Stranger Things, iZombie, or something like that, these TV shows, they sometimes set false standards that people that have no idea about the hobby have. Obviously, they do it for entertainment, and that's okay. But you don't need to meet those standards. But you also should dismantle those standards before the players meet the table. Exactly. I think that's very important, right? If, if they expect you to suddenly wear a wizard rope and game master uh, a game where with a surround sound system uh, and a candlelit room that looks like a wizard's tower or something, you need to tell them that that's not the case. Or maybe mm -hmm. it is the case. But tell them beforehand, I think, so they can prepare accordingly. Yeah. Now we can get to character creation. <laughs> Please. <laughs> yeah. So character creation, right? It yeah. can be a chore sometimes can be a lot yeah and if you have done it multiple times and or as in i think many gms cases like 100 plus times because you just love creating characters and have them <laughs> npcs you can use and stuff <laughs> yeah it's easy for you. Yeah. But for newer people in the hobby, it is re really a difficult task. Mm -hmm. And I can only say I would love to have a veteran tell me how to create or how to go about creating a character when I first started it mm -hmm. because I had to learn everything by myself. Mm -hmm. And this was really fucking tough because yeah. I didn't know jack shit. Mm -hmm. I was just sitting there reading the rules and was confused. Okay, I have to choose this one now, but for this I had to choose this, which I wasn't supposed to yet. And then completely weirdness. But yeah. then if someone new at the table is having these struggles and i'm guaranteeing you if you're a first time player at a ttrp in, in a ttrpg and you have to create a character you have you're gonna have these struggles if you if no one is gonna help you mm -hmm. and therefore having someone there that can help you with it being it only the gm or another veteran player or at least someone who has played ttrpgs before is a godsend yeah i think I think that's actually one of the things that has been done good for so long. Normally, people help their players. Mm. Veteran GMs help their new players create characters. Especially, for example, right, if you hear the stories of game store GMs that tell, well, I have new players at my table. So the first thing I ask them, what type of character do you want to play? Or what character do you want to play, right? They help their people. And I think, right, that's something that people always got right. But I think the thing is, for it's not just about asking them and walking them through character creation. It's also explaining to them... What why those steps are important. Exactly. I think that's the main part because that sometimes isn't really, that doesn't come up that much, right? You need to pick a race. Are you a dwarf or an elf? Well, what impact does that decision have? Mm -hmm. Because the people are just going to pick what they like and then they realize that that decision had an impact that they don't like so they can go back, obviously, right? You will then offer them that they can just go back and create an elf instead of a dwarf because they wanted to play an elf or whatever, right? Maybe those races have an impact that, that, that then destroys what they actually wanted to play. Mm -hmm. And it's that impact that you need to explain to them. It's not just, do you want to play an elf or a dwarf? Because that is a flavor question. Yeah. But asking them, okay, so the elves are, uh, per the game system, they have innate magic. Do you want to be a magic user? Maybe an elf would fit you better. Or you can play the dwarf, which basically flips that on its head. They are not necessarily magically inclined at first, but they can be still great mages. Mm -hmm. And hey, that is a way better way of phrasing the question, do you want to play a dwarf or an elf for me? Because it explains to these people why these decisions 
matter. Yeah, and uh, that's why I wouldn't phrase any questions like what type of ga insert game mechanic here would you like to pick, but rather what did you have in mind when you wanted to create a character? What character mm -hmm. did you have in mind? And yeah. then recommend things based on the game mechanics for that character concept mm -hmm. they have in their mind. Mm -hmm. Right. Try to get the players away from saying, I want to play an elven wizard. Try to get them to, I want to play a spellcaster that can make a quick escape or whatever. Right. Yeah. With that, you can create a character. When they say, I want to play an elven wizard, which obviously most people will say first because that's kind of still more expectation, especially with the pre-knowledge that they have of either fa of every fantasy world that or every fantasy movie they watched and or every fantasy game they played or whatever, right? Mm -hmm. So they come in with their pre-knowledge and might have that idea. But they don't know what an elven wizard in D&D &D means or in any TTRPG other than D&D &D means at first. They just yeah. know what it means in their own mind and then understanding what that means for them, right? Okay, so what does that mean for you? You can play an elven wizard. Yes, you can, but... Do you want to? These are the elven stats. These are the wizard things. Do these fit your character? Or might be, might be, should be maybe more go into, I don't know, a half elven sorcerer or a human sorcerer because that fits you maybe better for what you exactly. want to do. And then they go, hmm, yeah, I think human sorcerer fits better, but why is it human sorcerer? I thought it was elven wizard here. No, this system has its own different rules and stuff like that. And this works like this in this game. Fantasy isn't always the same everywhere. So, exactly. right? Obviously not, but they might not know that. Yeah, it's like in media, you only have this category of spellcasters or mostly called wizards. And then mm -hmm. you come into TTRPGs um, and then they are just suddenly four or five different spellcasting classes that essentially, if you just say, yeah, I'm a uh, elven spellcaster, all work for that description. But for the thing you had in your mind, a specific class or a specific profession might fit mm -hmm. you better. And that's something that you have to filter out through questioning not what game mechanic they want to play, but what type of character they want to play. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You want to play an archmage. Yeah, that's probably sounds like a D&D wizard. Yeah. But right. you want to play a witch is also... An elven witch would also be an elven spellcaster, but I wouldn't necessarily recommend a wizard for playing a witch. Yeah, I would probably recommend warlock into warlock, sorcerer, druid in that direction. I would exactly. Call. Because they are uh, less focused on having many spells and having more powerful spells or having nature-focused spells, right? Exactly. About this character creation, there needs to be a lot of discussion about it because what seems like second nature, like you said before, to these veterans of creating characters... Because D&D &D and other TWGs have very easy character creations. Example, D&D &D Beyond allows me to create a character in like 10 minutes. Yeah. And that kind of demystifies this character creation process for the veterans. We don't mm. understand or we forgot the pressure that we went through when creating our first character. Exactly. And you need to remember that these people have no idea how this works. And when you have people that have no idea how it works, the best thing you to do is explain everything thoroughly. Give them time to understand. Yeah. Ask them if they understood it. And if they don't, explain it again in a different way. Give them examples. Give fucking examples. Yeah, exactly. Right? If, if someone has to explain dexterity to me, the thing is they can either say yeah it's uh, how nimble you are or how quick you are or they could say well do you remember that scene from lord of the rings where that character did that and that well that is dexterity mm -hmm. and i understand that better because i have an image in my head now exactly that works way better so yeah <laughs> i think that is really good and especially for creating characters one other advice is right ask them a concept right but l the best advice i have that you can give to newer players when they ask what character should i play Right, a lot of mm -hmm. people just have no idea what they want to play, so they come in with, Well, what should I play? 
what is easy to play or what can I play? Tell them, take your favorite, for example, if you're playing D&D or Pathfinder or something or a fantasy game, take your favorite fantasy character. And they mm -hmm. say, well, I don't know, uh, Gimli from Lord of the Rings. Yeah. Then you say, cool, Gimli would be a dwarven fighter. Mm -hmm. He has a big axe, he has a big armor and he goes into game. Maybe he has, maybe he has a little bit of barbarian in him, maybe, yeah. but let's go, let's go with fighter. It's very simple. So we will create a dwarf. So you have these different stats, right? That's a different way, right? When they don't know what to play, just tell them to play their favorite character from that genre that you're gonna play in. Exactly. Because this is great. They have already an idea in their head now. They have not just stats, but they also have a concept going further than stats. Mm -hmm. They have a personality. They have looks. They have mannerisms. They have all these different type of things that they can just copy. And please tell these people that copying is completely fine. You're not violating any copyrights because this is never going to see the light of day aside from your table. Exactly. Just copy it. No one will give a fuck. Yeah. And, and let me tell you, every DM does this as well. Mm -hmm. Steal things from every type of pop cultural media there is and yeah. mesh it together in their own world. It's just natural because we get inspired by things we look at. Yeah. It's just the natural way. So don't be afraid to do that for your own character. Yeah, right. And and especially, Brad, if you the GM, talk, talk them through it. They will have a favorite. And mm. with that, you can, on that concept, create slowly with them a character. And the thing is about character creation. Again, I believe that character creation should be a very good indicator of how the game is played. Mm -hmm. And when you walk them through character creation, explain to them what this means. Okay, so, so this is a spell. You will cast spells with actions. And you have these uh, three different um, components to spells. Verbal, material, and somatic and these mean that you need to speak some words for the spell need to make some gestures or need some kind of materials to cast the spell mm -hmm. remember that try to remember that that you that your spells have one of or all three of these components and explaining that to them makes them remember that sort of thing you don't just need to tell them but well, this is a spell it does damage cool right yeah yeah that, that, that it doesn't explain how the spell gets used because then when they start to use the spell and you say well you do not have the material components right now you're just gonna look like a fucking ass exactly and, and then again you touched on this a, a couple of times now is another t great tip is take your fucking time mm -hmm. to explain it thoroughly explain it multiple times on different ways and just reiterate on rules on game mechanics on ideas on talking with your players just take your time especially with new players because they have no fucking experience they need to learn that first and therefore you need to take the time mm -hmm. it just won't do you any good if you rush this step exactly sure we want to get playing and maybe they, you invited them to create characters in the session you want to play and you want to do this fast but still it yeah. won't do you any good sure the same has to be said do things quickly because you want to play with them and you should play with them because mm -hmm. if you take too much time it might seem to them that well we never get to play how is this how is this fun is this mm -hmm. the game right no it isn't and therefore it's... any um, veteran is also very um, or very good to have because if you you as a gm can be this person it is good that if a veteran knows how to prioritize different steps in character creation if you for example create a character and it might be a chore but it isn't important for the first few sessions or for the first session mm -hmm. you might say okay this might take too long now and subtract from the fun let's put a pin in that and let's burn the bridge when we cross it yeah could be like talking in dnd now you are level two and you start thinking about your subclass and that would be reading too much now for this session to do then let's say okay let's put a pin in that and play with level two first and then decide when you know what you are playing or got 
got to know your character, got to know how you want to play it, and then later with that knowledge, decide on what you want to do mm -hmm. after that. Yeah, yeah. And I will say one other thing that you can do to, to get new players into the hobby or to make it easier for them to learn is let them or uh, uh, recommend them actual plays. I know mm -hmm. not everyone likes actual plays, but really recommend actual plays to them because there are actual plays of all shapes and sizes for a lot of different games. D&D, mostly, yes, I won't lie. There's a lot of D&D out there mm -hmm. and we're gonna add to that. So <laughs> yeah. no lying about it. But there are a lot of different actual plays for the system you're playing, especially if the system is bigger, there's gonna be an actual play to it. Exactly. And I think the thing is here, if the game you're playing has an actual play or has several of them, recommend some of them to them. They don't have to watch all of it, but make them watch one hour of the actual mm -hmm. play or listen to one hour of the actual play. Why is that? Well, learning by watching is something that a lot of people are actually very good at. Yeah. Especially with this type of hobby, seeing how it's done should not be underrated. And that's why Red, it's the same advice with the veteran, mm -hmm. but it's in a different way. It shows exactly. them the gameplay loop before you ever get to the gameplay loop. Yeah. Right? Players ask questions, DM answers, DM describes, players interact, DM reacts, and that type of stuff. Mm -hmm. Understanding that and explaining that can be a lot harder than just showing it. Mm -hmm. And you can show it by showing it before the game actually starts. Exactly. So everyone can get in with a rough idea what's this game even. Yeah. How it is roughly played. No definite things that you as a new player need to do. Yeah. But as a rough thing, every player talks with each other and with the GM with the regarding the prompt that the GM gave, then reacting to it, then the GM reacts to that and so on and mm -hmm. so forth. Yeah. Obviously with actual plays, you need to remember one thing. I would say tell your players that this is a show. Mm -hmm. It's not just an actual play. It's a show as well. They are trying to entertain. Mm -hmm. So again, watch out for false expectations. But actual plays themselves are way better at giving people correct expectations than a TV series that has a five-minute D&D bit as a joke. Exactly. So that is way cooler. I think actually, right, a lot of people say Stranger Things or Community or whatever other series for how D&D is depicted in media. I still think that the best way to depict D&D was in iZombie. Now, iZombie is a show where one of the coroners in the coroner's office is a zombie and can eat brains and they regain memories from the people that were killed in these homicide cases mm. and they help solve these cases right these supernatural cop tv series which yeah. are very very common and in one game they eat a dnd game master's brain oh boy and <laughs> now take on the personality of this dnd game master and at the end there's a scene where they basically gm a game for the main cast mm -hmm. and it shows very well how how different people play D&D together because some of them are kind of a little bit less interested some of them are more interested some of them have played before and have, have these common costume or whatever I think And but I think the show makes a good point that this is just a game between friends at a table having fun together mm -hmm. just that one of them has eaten a brain so <laughs> take that away but right, it, it's a very good depiction in my opinion because it shows kind of how my games play out mm -hmm. and I think that short episode of 40 minutes is a good way to, to get right expectations. But even better is selling them, hey, watch Critical Role. Sure, yeah. the production value is there and you shouldn't necessarily think that my games are going to be the same value or the same way Matt Mercer GMs his games. And I don't expect you to play like Laura Bailey or Tyler and Jaffe. Yeah, but it still shows how D&D is going to play out roughly. Yeah. The same gameplay loop is shown over and over again, yeah. just in a more produced and more professional manner, yeah. we could say. But the same thing still happens at the table, yeah. but on a lower professional level.
Ahnung. Yeah, but I can also say, hey, go listen to actual play podcasts like Reckless Attack, Dear Disaster Story or whatever else. Mm -hmm. These podcasts, they show you how it's done on a less let's say, professional game. I'm not insulting my two friends here <laughs> that might be listening, Nathan and Evie, about that their shows are not high produced because they are great shows and they have production value, definitely. But Critical Role is still something different than, <laughs> than yeah. their shows. And doesn't matter. But still, these games play out in different ways and telling them, hey, these kind of shows, they kind of show greatly how it might play out. So listen to an episode. It doesn't have to be the first one. It can be anyone. And you don't have to listen further after that. But yeah. having that, it's kind of great. Because for the thing you want to do with that recommending actual plays isn't listen to the story and exp um, know what the story is about. It's see how the game is played. Yeah. And then decide if you want to do this or don't. Or mm -hmm. if you already decided because it always sounded fun and then see that or hear that, then be reinforced in that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this sounds even more fun than in any of the TV series I watched. Yeah. I now know w roughly what to do. I don't understand any of it yet, but I'm willing to learn. I'm willing to put in the time because this looks fucking fun. Because it is. TTRPGs are just amazingly fun. So, right, we talked about everything that is under the sun about getting new players in, giving, helping them along the way of creating a character, playing their sessions, preparing for the sessions, and managing expectations, right? A, a few quick advice are, right, also have a session zero talk. Make sure that they are safe at the table. I know some people might not like to hear this, but session zeros are great. And it shows them that you care about them. And that is one big thing that I think is very important in TTRPGs, showing their players that you care about them at the table. Mm -hmm. and, and it just reinforces this image of we are here in a safe space, we're here to have fun together, no one gets excluded, this is how we do it, right? Exactly. Quick advice. And one other thing that I think is very important is don't just play D&D &D yeah. or whatever. Obviously, if you want to introduce them to that system and they want to be introduced to that system, do that. But I think D&D, &D, Pathfinder, or for example, also the Dark Eye, which was a system that I was introduced to TTRPGs with, are not the best systems to introduce someone to the concept of TTRPGs. Mm -hmm. I'm not here to say which is the best game, because that is something you need to figure out at your table. But figure that out together. Ask your players, what genre do they want to play? Do they want to go with them over a few rules, maybe? Explain to them in what complexity do they want of the game? Mm -hmm. And that type of stuff, right? And find the game that fits right for that game. Because D&D can be overwhelming. Pathfinder just as much. The Dark oh, yeah. Eye just as much. Mm -hmm. Maybe a Powered by the Apocalypse game is even too complex for them or simple. Take a one-page RPG. Those are very improv-heavy. Maybe you want more rigid rules to them then don't take a one-pager because those obviously discard the rigid rules because they only have one page. Hmm. Maybe take a Caltrop's core game. Those are mostly very simple. Or maybe take something more, more complex. But talk to the players... Get the right system for that table, for their for these players, because what you want, and this is the main goal of getting new players at the table, is for them to keep playing. Exactly. That's what we want. And you only do that by making sure that they have fun in their first session. And you don't do that by forcing them to play D&D if they would never even like D&D in the first place. Exactly. There are so many systems out there that would fit. Just find the right one for, the, uh, for that purpose that you mm -hmm. want to do. Yeah, it, it's just about getting them comfortable having fun together and one big thing it's not ttipgs are about having fun yes but the first session of a new player is also about 
learning. Mm -hmm. And just telling them to just have fun is a great advice, but it's useless as fuck if you think yeah. about it. Because yeah. that's the goal. If telling them have fun is your only and best advice, mm -hmm. like how do they have fun? Tell them how they do have fun. Tell them. Play a character from a media that you enjoy. Play your favorite fantasy character in this game. That's how they have fun. Mm -hmm. But not just telling them have fun. It just yeah. isn't necessarily helpful uh, for them because if they had the right game master, uh, for, right? if you're the right game master, I hope you already told them that the goal is to have fun. Mm -hmm. So the advice, go have fun, is just not helping exactly. achieving that goal. It's like if someone asks, how do I drive a car? You'll answer with, yeah, just drive it. Yeah. Wow. I want to have fun, of course. But how? H how am I? How? What are the ways that I can have fun in this game? Please tell me because I don't know jack shit about it. And that's why, for example, the advice lean in or just go for it are way better. Mm -hmm. They are very ambiguous as well, but they give a clear thing of if something weird happens or absurd happens, just go with it. Try yeah. to yes and it mm -hmm. or work with it or just laugh at it with your friends. That's way better than just have fun. Exactly. And I think with that, I don't have anything else to add to that i don't really think i don't have I, i i don't have anything else i want to say really i think we talked about everything that is to having a player have their first few sessions or their first session and how to guide them through that experience and help them through that experience mm -hmm. sure maybe there are more advice people can obviously always add us on twitter or even send a voice message to us on Anchor with the link in the description for this episode to, hey, if you have something else you want to share, share it with us. We would love to hear it. But with that, I don't, I'm finished for this episode. Yeah, and as per usual, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at DoubleDMPod or you can visit our website at www.doubledm.com. We also have a Ko-Fi if you would like to check that out. And please, if you like the show, leave a rating on your favorite podcasting listening platform of your choice. It really helps the show out. And with that, thank you for listening. Hear you on the next Next one and bye bye. Bye bye.